Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Searcy. In a few moments, we're going to examine Matthew chapter 6. As we do in every broadcast, we will uh, continue to demonstrate how that in the Bible, we have been given two presentations of Christ, a double feature, so to speak. The Bible is progressive in its revelation, and the information given in the first presentation, the first feature, primarily dealt with a nation, the nation Israel, a nation under law. It's about their receiving their prophesied king, their Messiah, going through trials and enduring through their tribulation period, and finally, they're getting their earthly kingdom that had been promised to them. And then in your Bible, we can also find the second presentation, one that is much shorter. It plays out in Paul's 13 letters, Romans through Philemon. And this short feature includes all nations, not the one nation Israel, but all nations, and deals with them on an equal basis with no chosen people, no head, no tail, as it were in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28. No, in this current day, there is no nation above the other. We're no longer under law, but under grace. And we, being a church body, we receive Christ as our head, not as a nation who needed a king. We are a new creature and are not appointed to wrath, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. We'll be delivered from the Daniel chapter 9 tribulation period. And finally, we go to heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6, and are not inheritors of the earth. That's Israel. There are two presentations and would explain why Paul in 2 Corinthians five sixteen wrote, Know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Paul said, Now we know no man after the flesh. Not so before Paul. In time past, humanity was absolutely dealt with on the basis of flesh. There are many passages to support and prove this, but here's one. Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, Remember that ye been in time past. The time past here would be denote before Christ, before he called out and saved Paul and sent him out with our gospel, the Galatians 2.7, gospel of the uncircumcision. So he says here, in time past, ye were Gentiles in the flesh. See the distinction? Then he says, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. This screams distinction, and it's so loud you'd have to be spiritually deaf to miss it. A distinction that is no longer being made, but if you continue to go to the books of the Bible where a distinction is being made, and you go there looking for your doctrine, your instructions, you'll only leave confused. The reason to rightly divide the word of truth is in your Bible, there are books that were written concerning a time when God dealt with mankind on the basis of a distinction. So, now, we have 2 Corinthians 5.16 that proves there's no more distinction being made in the flesh. We have Galatians 3.29, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, for we're all one in Christ Jesus, and... 
To add to that, we have Colossians 3.11. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. Read this for yourself. There was a time when a distinction was being made, and there is now a time, a new time, when there is no such distinction, and that new time started with the Apostle Paul and has been in effect ever since. For centuries there had been a distinction, but by the time of the Apostle Paul, something had changed, which allowed him to say, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Romans 10.12 Back there before the cross work of Christ, John 4.22 says, Salvation is of the Jews. You can't find this truth. No, you can't find the revelation of the mystery, that which Christ had revealed to the Apostle Paul. You cannot find it before the Apostle Paul, which is why you won't find it in the book of John. You won't find it in the book of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Again, John 4.22 is definitely speaking of a time when a distinction between Jew and Gentile was being made. That's why Jesus in John 4.22 said, Salvation is of the Jews. It was at that time, but not anymore. No head, no tail. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. As a society, we've become geared to basing our beliefs on our experiences. If our experience and our feelings tell us that something is valid and genuine and good, then we automatically assume that that is the measure of absolute truth. You see, God has one grand purpose, but it's twofold. The Bible begins by telling us this. In the beginning, God created. And here it is. Here comes the distinction. The heaven and the earth. See the division? God is telling us something right here in the first book, first chapter, first verse. God has a purpose to accomplish on earth, and God has a purpose to accomplish in heaven. His earthly purpose deals with Israel as the the acting mediator to all other nations, while his heavenly purpose deals with all nations on an equal basis and with Christ as our mediator. See that? Makes sense, does it not? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 to 8. Here it tells us that if Satan had of known what the finished cross work of Christ was going to accomplish, If he had known what we know today, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If he would have been privy to what was later revealed to our Apostle Paul, there would have been no cross work, no death for our sins, no burial, and no resurrection for our justification. It's interesting, in in, in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 3, that we can find this. There was no secret. This is interesting. Listen. There was no secret that could be hidden from Satan. That's interesting. So what did God do? Kept a secret from him. <laughs> Instead of the prophetic fastball, he, he threw a change up and revealed to Paul some secret information about what he accomplished at Calvary. 
Mm, this is good news. Does does this shed some light on your understanding of why Satan does not want us to get this? For a long time, it was kept secret from him. The old deceiver was deceived, and he's not happy about it. A real Bible student will recognize that from Genesis all the way to Paul, everything written in your Bible was a presentation of prophecy. Things that were made known. Things that were spoken. The fact that Jesus would rule and reign as King of the Jews here on earth is a presentation of prophecy. It had been spoken, had been known. But Jesus, as the head of the body, head of the government in heavenly places, that was a secret, a secret until revealed to Paul. And is why in 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul wrote, In me first. Aha, something happened in Paul first. Not second, not third, but first. And it's why Jesus selected Paul to be our pattern. Think about it. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all your sins, was buried, but rose on the third day. He later ascended into heaven, but returned in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. He returned and appeared to Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul. And Christ furthered the knowledge of mankind by revealing unto Paul, Ephesians 3, 8. Don't miss it. Go read it for yourself. Ephesians 3, verse 8. What Paul said was before unsearchable information that had been hidden. You see, that's what Christ revealed to Paul. Make no mistake, there are two presentations, an earthly and a heavenly economy being spoken of in your Bible. And if you don't rightly divide these two, you'll be confused. You see, the Bible is not a static photograph of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. No, it's, it's, it's a book of progressive revelation. There is more than one thing going on. The Bible should be viewed as if you're viewing a double feature. The first feature was about a time when, when John 4.22, we read it earlier, where Jesus says, salvation was of the Jews. But you see, the second feature, now listen, the second feature, the one that you and I are actively involved in today, there is no longer a dividing distinction between Jew and Gentile, between male and female. No more Jew or Gentile, it's now Jew and Gentile, the new creature. When we get our Bible in order, these pieces begin to fall in place. However, the problem is, when the Bible gets into the wrong hands, the hands of those who are who are not aware of these two presentations, the double feature, well, they attempt to mix the two and make them one. The result? (laughs) Mass confusion, and that's what we have today. Like a deck of cards, we now have a stack of denominations. You reach in, pull one out, cross your fingers, and, and, and hope you chose the right one. Listen, these two presentations are so different that Christ told Paul to tell us, hey, you got to rightly divide the word of truth to understand it. He also tells us to compare Scripture with Scripture. Why? Because there are two very different programs, two different economies found in your Bible. And we'll further demonstrate this in just a moment as we examine the so-called Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is what they call it. It's in Matthew chapter 6. I'll show you how it was a part of the first feature presentation and why it does not work for you today. 
Matthew 6 and the quote, Lord's Prayer, after the break. Making the Bible easier to understand. This is Truth Time Radio with Trey Searcy. This is Truth Time Radio. You've entered the no-spin zone of just comparing Scripture with Scripture and actually believing what they say, making no attempt to change the meaning, just read them as they are and to whom they were written. For your questions and comments, call us toll-free 1-888-988-9562. Visit our website, truthtimeradio.com, or Facebook, Truth Time Radio. In the book of Matthew, we see how God continues with his progressive revelation in an attempt to move Israel from the law and the prophets into their kingdom program. Okay, let us begin with verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verse 7, But when you pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. We'll stop there for a moment. Now, I've often wondered what part of this is so hard for some to understand. Those who act as as if this is a prayer for us today, when it's so clear that it's not. But hey, even if it were, why can't they understand that this is not a prayer to be, number one, prayed in public, Pray to thy Father which is in secret. And number two, to be repeated over and over. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. What's so hard about that to understand? It's simple English. Over the years, I've been to ball games and various other events for my daughters. And and on multiple occasions, they gathered them together. And listen, these people have good intentions, I understand that, but good intentions won't change error into truth, now will it? They they make a circle and totally ignore what this says not to do. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next game, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next game, well, you get the picture. <laughs> it's wrong. This is vain repetitions, plain and simple. This is not hard to get, so let's move on. Verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Okay, first let's get this out of the way. This is not the so-called Lord's Prayer, as most Protestants call it, nor is it the, quote, Our Father Prayer, as most Catholics call it. They both got it wrong. It was a prayer to be prayed by the Luke chapter 12 little flock, not the Lord. The Lord was teaching them their prayer, 
We call this program Truth Time, and we prove what we say with Scripture. Truth Time is a fact-based Bible teaching broadcast with no spin zone. Luke eleven twelve, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Did you get it? Whose prayer? Is this the Lord's prayer? No, it is not. The quote, Lord's Prayer, isn't in the Bible for you to come along, look at it, claim it for yourself, and start praying it. It was never a Gentile prayer. You would have to be proselytized into the nation Israel in order to say their prayer. This prayer could only be properly prayed by the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and more precisely, the lost sheep that had received their Messiah, the little flock. It hasn't dawned on some that when they go to Matthew chapter 6 to try and find their prayer, they're praying for earthly things instead of heavenly things. When Paul in Colossians 3.2 told us to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The so-called Lord's Prayer is by all accounts the most popular prayer. But you do know, do you not, that the most popular is not always the best. Matter of fact, it very seldom is. The church today, the church which is his body, we are a new creature. We are not spiritual Israel. We are not figurative Israel, literal Israel. We did not replace Israel. We are a new creature, the church which is his body. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, but a new creature. So why would you pray Israel's prayer? You're not them, and the prayer's not yours. You're not them, they're not you, and is why we're told to rightly divide the word of truth. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. It's about their earthly kingdom that will come to Jerusalem. It is a kingdom prayer, not a church prayer. Look at it. Nothing about it pertains to you, a Christian, on this side of the cross, saved by grace through faith, sealed unto the day of redemption. The day of redemption is a day when the Lord returns to take you somewhere. The context of this so-called Lord's Prayer is not about anyone going anywhere. <laughs> it's about, quote, thy kingdom come. No one in this context had to go anywhere to see something that was coming. This little flock of Jewish believers were not waiting to die and go to heaven. They were waiting on their kingdom to come, come to earth. Just believe your Bible. Truth Time Radio, website truthtimeradio.com, telephone number one 9562 Today we're discussing what some call the Lord's Prayer and how it fits with what's going on today. There are two presentations of Christ found in your Bible. One presentation was according to prophecy, Acts 3.21, and the other is according to mystery, Romans 16.25. The blind as a bat religious system decided to dip into Matthew chapter 6, pick out a prayer that Christ taught Israel to pray, make it a prayer for us today, and call it the Lord's Prayer, even though the Lord never one time prayed it. <laughs> Incredible. You can't make this stuff up. If you call yourself a Christian, you've been taught, next stop heaven. You live, you die, you're resurrected and go to heaven. Well, when you read, thy kingdom come, do you not see the dichotomy here? No one in Matthew 6 is going anywhere. 
They were all about getting their promised prophesied kingdom here in earth, not in heaven. God's will, God's kingdom, operating where? In earth. And by the way, when is the last time you heard someone say, When I die, I'm going to earth. Was your father saved? Yeah, he he died and went to earth. Come on now. No, we'd say they went to heaven. But those in the audience of Matthew chapter 6 that we're reading today, they were waiting on their kingdom to come. This is not about you. There's two presentations. God has an earthly people, God has a heavenly people, and you're the latter. When you learn to rightly divide the word of truth, you can see this. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There's a division in the very first verse of the Bible. Listen, God does nothing without purpose. He chose the nation Israel to be a 1 Peter 2.9 chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, to do what? Revelation 5.10, to reign with him on earth. Now he chose us, the church which is his body, for heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, chapter 2 verse 6, and chapter 3 verse 10. These are two separate and distinct destinations, and when you fail to rightly divide the word of truth, you miss it. Viewing the Bible as a double feature answers the supposed conundrums. Study this out for yourself. Anything I can talk you into, someone else can just as easily come along and talk you out of. I don't want to talk you into anything. I want you to get in this book and be fully persuaded in your own mind. i tell you what you do. Search the books of Matthew through John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and when you find one verse that speaks of a Jew that just cannot wait to die and go to heaven for all eternity, you send that to me. I won't hold my breath, because that was not their hope. Even after the death, burial, and resurrection, notice what their question was. Look in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Acts 1, 6. The Lord's disciples here ask, now please listen, don't miss it, Quote, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? What a question. What a question for someone who's looking to die and go to heaven to ask. Because they were not. They're wanting their kingdom to be restored here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Ah, are you starting to get this? Read the book of Matthew. It's a great book, but it's not written to or about you. The book of Matthew is contextually speaking of a time when the earthly government will adopt heavenly standards. Now, has that happened? Does our government have (laughs) heavenly standards? Absolutely not. The book of Matthew is not written about America, which is a Gentile nation, by the way. In context, it is about a prophesied Messiah the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, coming to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew fifteen twenty four, And remember, he sent forth the twelve disciples. Where did he send them to? To you, to the church, the body of Christ? I think not. Read Matthew chapter 10 and find out for yourself. They were not sent out to you. They were sent out and told to avoid you and to go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And out of those lost sheep, those who would believe on their Messiah would become a part of that Luke 12 little flock. Believing Israel. Why haven't you noticed this before? 
You've been prejudiced by your denomination against believing what the Bible actually says. Your predilections have been formed by Mama said, Daddy said, Preacher said. You chose to believe what they believed over what the Bible actually said. But that's okay. You're here today learning how to believe what you read. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Question. Okay. How come it's called daily bread? Because it was only good for one day. Hence, daily bread. How can you honestly pray this prayer? You have a loaf in the bread box, a backup supply in the freezer. Your wife's already clipped coupons to take to the grocery store and isn't expecting God to give her anything. She plans on going there to purchase some bread. Give us this day our daily bread. No, that's not to you. You see, men go to seminary to learn how to spiritualize these verses instead of just believing them as they're written. This is a literal verse with a literal meaning. What the seminary doctors miss, what some fail to keep in mind, is that the context of Matthew 6 is tribulation. And it's why Matthew 24:13 says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And during their tribulation, Israel's tribulation, not yours, the Lord will supernaturally feed them just as he did with their fathers back in the wilderness. Remember that? You see, during this time that the book of Matthew is referring to, in order to buy bread, people will need to accept the mark of the beast. For believing Israel, God will supernaturally feed them during the tribulation. When they say, give us this day our daily bread, they mean it. They're not saying, Lord, give us strength and uh, uh, keep us healthy that so that we can go to work Monday through Friday, bring home a paycheck, and put bread on the table for the family. <laughs> no, that would be to take something that has a literal meaning and change it to something that only has a spiritual meaning. Reminds me of a song that says, They spiritualize and tell spiritual lies. They can't see the truth because they don't have spiritual eyes. Now that describes most of religion today. Here in the book of Matthew, when Israel says, Give us this day our daily bread, they mean just that. And we support this truth with Exodus 16, verse 15. Here we read, And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. Ah, here we go. Pay close attention. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. My friend, it could not be any plainer. This is straight out truth. This is not spiritual bread as the preacher may tell you this Sunday. No, it's literal. This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. It was to be gathered daily, Exodus 16:4, because if they ate the bread from the previous day, it would spoil. Verse 20. You see, this is simply not our mail. Matthew chapter 6 belongs in Israel's mailbox, not yours. In ours, we'll find this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Here it says, If any would not work, neither should he eat. They'll be given bread, but today we work for it. See the difference? If any would not work, neither should he eat. 
But that kingdom doctrine that's being taught in Matthew chapter 6 absolutely teaches the opposite. Matter of fact, in the book of Matthew, it says, Give no thought for what you're going to do, for what you're going to eat or drink. Be like the birds who gather not into the barns, and on and on it goes. You've read it. You see, God is not supernaturally feeding us today, and you know this. It's why we have jobs. His chosen people didn't work for it. We do. They were instructed to take no thought for their life or what they eat. Yet your wife has planned out this week's dinner menu in advance. Again, this is not our mail. Jesus gave Paul very different instructions to us, the body of Christ, than he gave to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as soon as you decide to put away your pride, your prejudices, and predilections that you implement every time you study your Bible, you'll begin to see this for yourself. Let's move on. Verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This was not the Lord's prayer. Jesus never prayed it, and to do so would make him a sinner in need of forgiveness. That's blasphemy. Another good reason we know it's falsely called the Lord's Prayer. You see, modern-day twistianity wants us to divorce ourselves from facts and data and shack up with a quagmire of emotions and feelings. While it is true that they get a few things right, for the most part, today's religious system is broken, is shattered. And even a broken clock is right twice a day. Truth Time Radio, where you will not hear a reed shaken with the wind, someone who will talk one way one minute and then waver and speak another way the next, someone with soft, delicate speech, tickling your ears with fanciful, lofty, feel-good motivational stories. You want that? You're at the wrong place. This is a place for Bible students zealous for the truth and apt to teach. That'll do it for now. Remember, you only get two educations. The one you're given and the one you give yourself. This has been Truth Time with Trey Searcy. Visit our website at truthtimeradio.com. Until next time, remember, when a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest.